0: This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. The name of my show is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, and the reason that is the case is because I think we need to go beyond our current pictures of science and religion to a new view of the world and the reason we need to go beyond these current pictures is because I think our best chance to reach a new paradigm is if we think with an open mind the more assumptions we take on faith i.e. because someone said it was true the less likely it will be that we will be thinking clearly prejudice and biases do not help the search for truth now it could be And this is important. It could be that in thinking clearly, we come to the conclusion that our old models are correct. That's possible. But we're never going to find a new model, a new all-encompassing model, unless indeed we go beyond science and religion. Now, one of the leaders in driving for a new paradigm is my guest today, Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton, who really set a radical course in this area with her 2006 book, Punk Science which lays the groundwork for a new vision of the world based upon consciousness and also something she calls the black hole principle now not only does she point out the flaws in our current model in this book but she also tries to build up a new worldview, which is what we really need to do you can't just destroy you also have to build up as well if we're going to get anywhere And this always leads us to the evidence. What is the evidence for a new worldview, for a new paradigm? And that's what I'm gonna be talking to Dr. Manjir about today is some of the evidence that she has assembled over time uh, supporting a new paradigm. And we're gonna be focusing on water a little bit, but also discussing other features that are supporting this new paradigm. Now, for those who uh, don't know uh, Dr. Mangier, she is an international speaker. She also wrote, in addition to uh, Punk Science, the book Genius Groove and The Real Deal. She's also working on a movie version of Punk Science and also has her own TV show, which we'll talk about a little bit. She's a popular speaker and frequently appears in the United Kingdom and abroad, including at various universities around the world. She's been interviewed by many radio and TV stations, including the BBC, C4, and as well as being a regular guest on Edge Media TV. She lives with her partner James in Buxton, Derbyshire, in the UK. Dr. Manjir, it's great having you back on the show.
1: Oh, it's great to be back.
0: And and I, I really, I want to make it clear that for those who want to see what logic and open-mindedness is all about in this search for an, a real, uh, a new worldview, I strongly recommend picking up a copy of Dr. Manjur's book, Punk Science. It is one of the, the books you have to read in order to see what this is all about. So first of all, we have not spoken for a while and I'd like to ask you first of all about how your your movie is doing. Uh, I asked you before the show, but also why don't you tell folks about what you're trying to accomplish with the movie version of Punk Science?
1: Well, gosh, there's a lot that's happened since we last spoke. Um, so the uh, that we took a lot of footage for the Punk Science movie. So that's making uh, the book into a movie version documentary. Um, And uh, so I ended up with about uh, 30 interviews from people from around the world. That's people like Bill Tiller, Amit Goswami, uh, Bruce Lipton, um, Sonia Barrett, um, a wide range of people. And it's not just the big names either. There's also a lady who um, we interviewed who I I found out about through an old school friend of mine who contacted me and and said, uh, I think you need to have a chat with our cleaning lady. Mm. And uh, I was like, wow. And she goes, "This is a, I hadn't seen this school friend for 20 years. And uh, she, gave me, she told me about her blog. So she gave me a link to this cleaning lady's blog. And uh, I looked at the blog. And, and within a, a few minutes, I knew I was looking at one of the most powerful scientific and mystical minds of our era um something akin to walter russell and uh, she's just she was just working as a cleaning lady and a, mm. a grandma in uh, in yorkshire in england and wow. uh, very close to where you know i grew up and uh, so we interviewed her first time she'd ever been interviewed ever been in any sort of public arena and she had been quietly just you know Talking about and writing about this information about black holes and the true nature of reality, and uh, she some some physicists had been interested, but you know, so we we've run the gamut from the people that are very very well known to um, to this lady who's never ever been interviewed before, um, because the important thing is is getting the message across. So the whole of those uh, interviews have been edited together. And um, they're now ready to go into a series of masterclasses because, as you probably know, a, a movie ends up with a whole load of of footage that just ends up on the on the cutting room floor, as it right. were. In the digital age, it's a bit different, but, you know, the metaphoric cutting room floor. And um, myself and my partner James really had to, um, you know, learn how to be filmmakers. You know, we had to learn how to do audio... Uh, and worked the camera and had to do a mobile green screen. And we went around the world in 2011 uh, as part of my world speaking tour. I went to New Zealand and Australia and we picked up a lot of the footage there. And we also filmed in the Institute of Physics in in London, uh, which had a little conference room, which uh, sadly is no longer available um, just for its members. And uh, so we, we would set, go in and, and set up studio there. So uh, we did a lot. We interviewed Lynn McTaggart, um, Anthony Peake, um, Joe Dispenser, various people there so um what we've done is uh i've i've edited them all edited all this together into little subject matters like the holographic universe and uh you know biology of belief and that sort of thing and um when i looked at it i went you know this is too good to just leave behind because you know there's there's just too much of it to um to fit into one movie. So what it is now, it's going to come out as a movie and masterclasses. So, Mm. you know, um, the movie is going to be available online and, uh, you know, we'll have a sort of limited theatre release. Um, And then the actual uh, actual masterclasses are going to be available for people who want to know more. Um, So that's what we've got planned at the moment. And uh, it's uh, there's been a lot that's gone on in that time. In terms of what i been, what else I've been doing, because I was asked to uh, do a TV show, which I ended up hosting and uh, producing, and that was for the People's Voice Television in London, and uh, that went out worldwide, and um, that kept me pretty much held up for about uh, nine months. So the the movie project went went back a bit. So uh, I ended up being able to um, to put this sort of subject matter across in a, t- in a tv ch- talk show and uh, never hosted a tv show before but i mean it yeah. was it was quite interesting to do yeah. and uh, so we had people talking about consciousness and new science and um as part of this tv show as well so um that's part of why there's been a bit of a delay in in the um in getting the movie out because i was then um this opportunity came up and um when i was asked which is a great honor to be you know asked out of you know everyone in in the world really to uh to host this show um it, you know i i just thought you know this is something that i i should do so and it was a great success unfortunately the tv station has kind of disbanded it was completely crowdfunded yeah. and um, unfortunately it's sort of i don't know if you heard about this film, the people's voice tv
0: no, no I've, not, I've not heard about it, but I think that, you know, I've been approached to do uh, movie TVs, and I think that what it is is a sort of a commentary on our culture right now. And this is something that I want to talk a little bit about, and that commentary being where this field, and let's call it the new consciousness movement for a second, or new science movement, it's, it's hard to figure out one term to describe it. But over the past 30, 40 years, perhaps beginning with the book *The Tao of Physics* and the *Dancing Wulu Masters*, uh, th- it's been it's been viewed as an outlier. I like to I like to describe it as perhaps being like the freak show at a circus, where it's a little tent uh, uh, out out in the parking lot, and the the scientific community, the orthodox community, is controlling the big tent. And over time, of course, the idea has been to infiltrate the big tent and to make make this, this way of looking at things, this more all-encompassing way, more of the mainstream. And so I'd I like maybe for you to talk a little bit about having been through the TV show and the, and the movie now, how do you think things are going? How far do you think we are before we really do see something we can call a paradigm shift
1: i i think it's it's the same position that we've always been in with any paradigm shift and that um the people that are never gonna see that there's a paradigm shift going on and i don't think this they're ever gonna get it and, and that's okay and it's about learning to be at peace with that because i think like every shift you know you see um, who was it? Who said was it Max Planck? Who said you know it, it shifts funeral by funeral, right. yeah. and 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 it really is a case of when you see the younger generations um, of doctors of scientists, um, that there are they are more open. A, a friend of mine is um, gone, who actually she worked on the on the movie, and so she was present for a lot of the. Um, she was our assistant for a lot of the shoots. And then she went straight from there to uh, study psychology at university and having you know expanded things into the very cutting edge of consciousness and hearing all of these amazing people um she then went to uh, a regular university and felt very constrained and uh, what was interesting is though that the 18 year old um kids who were on this course with her um they were just they were really open and she was talking to them about punk science and they were going, yeah, this is more like what we want. This is more like what we're interested in, but they were having to go through the system and be indoctrinated into a sort of psychology degree and all the things that come with that. And, uh, which was very frustrating for some of them, but actually where they were coming from was more about consciousness exploration. So I think what we're seeing is the younger people are, um, you know, are wanting to explore the cutting edge of consciousness and whatever that might be, whether that's coming from the old old paradigm or new paradigm, but they've been just being indoctrinated into the old paradigm. And right. uh, what we've got to yet to see is if they're going to hold on to why they were interested in studying these subjects in the first place. And, uh, you know, to get their piece of paper, they have to sort of bow their head for a few, few years just to uh, be with the system. And once they've got that piece of paper, are they going to uh, stay with their original insights, which which were actually quite wide? Um, so I think it's just a case of seeing this uh, younger generation who, you know, I, I did some work with I, another one of the things that I've done in my life is put on conferences to discuss indigo kit children. And, uh, you know, so I was quite involved with with uh, that, it got made into a Channel Four documentary. The conference that um, I put on, and uh, so you know, I was very involved with, with uh, seeing how aware young people are, and you know, I came across a bunch of young medical students who were um, teaching themselves about healing and. Um, you know, just I know it sounds strange, doctors uh, teaching themselves about healing, but I mean, you know, it yeah. was more like a sort of uh, Reiki type thing that they just spontaneously um, started to do, and um, so it, you're seeing these pockets of younger people who are um, seeing the wider picture and are having to squeeze themselves into the old paradigm for a while. But when that generation get into uh, their 40s and are starting to become the decision makers, um, we we will have to wait till then to really see um, sort of how how wide this change is. I'm probably what you might call an indigo kid as well yeah. you know so when i when i discovered this subject i, I started to go, things started to click into place as in why i was able to go through medical school and the whole system and not change um not change my perspective because it, it i i recognize that this is who i am um you know after the i think we discussed last time the Kundalini experience that i had medical school um before that was a bit of a skeptic but you know it's um it's you know that that sense of uh not changing your opinion just because of what you're indoctrinated to do is uh kind of like a characteristic of like what you might call an indigo kid Mm -hmm. and uh, so you know we've got to see when these these younger people in their vaster numbers are coming through the systems coming through the universities when they get into the decision making um, positions what they are going to do, yeah, so that it's yeah. going to be quite interesting.
0: Yeah, this is Philip Camello. This is conversations beyond science and religion. I'm speaking with Dr. Manjir Samantha Lawton, the author of Punk Science: Inside the Mind of God, also the author of The Genius Groove and the Wheel: The Real Deal. She's working on a movie version of Punk Science, and has, and of course, has been involved in a TV TV show in the UK. You know. Manjir, every time uh, I'm on this topic, I'm also a big fan of that Max Planck quote, which I think is from him, uh, you know, science progresses funeral by funeral. Uh, it also That quote, I think, says something about generations and about how we put our hope that the next generation will get it right or will get it righter than we've gotten it. And I'm, I'm also optimistic that as we continue to put into the pool of, of minds, fresh minds, pure minds, open minds, that we'll gradually get to this point uh, where we have a worldview that incorporates consciousness. I also want to um, throw in one of my favorite quotes, which is uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, who said uh, that all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed then it's violently opposed, then it's accepted as being self-evident, and I think that that is really sort of what I think is going to happen here, because I think all of a sudden we're going to wake up one day and say, oh, this is perfectly natural. It, there, there there, may not be some dramatic shift, some, some you know, catac- cataclysmic explosion of something. It may just be uh Something where more scientists come out and say, "Yeah, that makes sense." Uh, I mean, for example, Robert Lanza, uh, the uh, voted one of the top most influential people in the world by Time Magazine. His new book, Biocentrism, basically says that consciousness is at the root of life. That's what biocentrism is. So there is more and more happening that I think is encouraging, and I, I and I I would assume that. Uh, you think based upon your work over the last couple years that that um that we're that we're moving forward but but we're still dealing with this entrenched paradigm right that's that's where you're, that's where you're
1: i at. i think so i think you you're right to say that um we are moving forward with especially the um the idea of consciousness being central i think that's actually coming out from more mainstream physicists now which is quite something to uh to see and of course when they start saying it people will go oh well you know we thought that all along like, yeah. you, like you just said in the quote yeah. and uh so we we are seeing the the glimmers that um because of the uh, the fact that quantum physics has the, these extraordinary behaviours which seem to incorporate uh, consciousness into those behaviours of reality, um, physicists have, never been, have not been able to ignore consciousness ever since uh, the dawn of quantum physics. So um, almost 100 years later, they are now starting to suge- make suggestions um uh, and just kind of say, well maybe consciousness is a something. Yeah. Is a is another state of matter as has come out recently, you know. So uh when somebody's uh, you know, who's so prominent says that then you you end up going uh, the the other physicists are sort of more open. At the end of the day, scientists are human beings. Right. When somebody big and clever and at a big institution with um, all the funding behind them, um, you know, says something, then you know the others will start to follow. If somebody for, who's an outlier says something, they're going to be ridiculed. Right. Um, so yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it it just is a way is a pattern of human behavior.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think you're exactly right. Now. Now, I'd like to uh, move a little bit here to some of your recent work with regard to the black hole principle in water, and what what is what what is this work that you've been doing, and where does water fit into the picture from your side of things?
1: Well, gosh, it's been a, an extraordinary time, really, um, in in terms of moving the black hole principle forward since we last spoke. Um, and uh, I actually did present the latest findings at uh, the Institute of Noetic Sciences um, last July, July 2013, um, which was a very, very interesting experience to do. It had a huge reaction. Um, so I, I won't go into all of the details of the black hole principle because you know we spoke about this before but essentially um, the theory uh, says that every single level of the universe behaves in the same way and that uh, it's it's using the same principle um, so if you look at the behavior of a black hole this is probably where we can see this uh, behavior happening quite clearly. And black holes are you know, supposed to be these guzzling monsters But when we actually look at the evidence, there's a huge amount of uh, material that is emitted by black holes, a huge amount of radiation and, you know, actually light. You know, light's not supposed to escape from black holes. Well, you know, we spot black holes because they're so bright, actually. Mm. Um, And the other thing that uh, the nature of the emissions is quite interesting because um, some people discuss how the reason why black holes are, Emitting things when we spot them with our telescopes is because the material gets heated up as it kind of falls down the plug hole, and as that material gets heated up, it's radiated out. Well, the actual mathematics and of, of the way that this radiation should happen, according to that theory, um, you know, it's all to do with angular momentum and you know all of the great stuff that uh, you know physicists and mathematicians are so great at. It doesn't fit. Uh, because the, what we actually observe, often around black holes, is very, very concentrated jets, often in two jets at, uh, at 180 degrees um, to, the, uh, to the actual accretion disk. And uh, so it doesn't kind of fit the picture that, of these guzzling monsters. So we've got a situation where the evidence doesn't really uh, fit the picture, um, fit the theory. And what my insight was in two thousand and three that I subsequently published, and then in the book, Punk Science, is that uh, you know the black hole is actually the site of uh, of creation, and what you have is you have uh, is a source of infinite light, and as that light sort of spirals through the dimensions it gets to the edge of our reality, which is um, our reality, really the boundary is the speed of light, something I now call the perception horizon. We don't normally see beyond the speed of light. We we think it's all dark energy and dark matter, as it were. And when the light is coming through the black hole to, from, from infinity, it gets to the edge of our reality. It then splits, so the photon of light splits into matter and antimatter. And uh, this is what we see coming out of black holes. We see um, we see uh, electrons coming out of black holes at almost the speed of light. The reason why they're so fast is because they have only just reached our reality. They've only just slowed down enough to reach our reality so that we can actually measure them. Um, so you've got this whole pattern going throughout the cosmos. And they also go the other way. So um, it kind of like the black hole kind of breathes. So when it breathes the other way, the the matter and the antimatter, say the electron and the positron, although it can be different depending on what level you're talking about, they recombine and they produce gamma rays. And that's why you see gamma ray bursts all over the sky. And what I'm saying in the black hole principle is that this pattern of behavior of creation isn't just happening at black holes in the center of galaxies. It's happening at black holes of different sizes within the galaxies. And it's also happening at every level of reality. So from atoms to uh, stars to planets, you know, we're seeing this uh, level, the same pattern happening at every single level expressed in different ways. And uh, so what I'm uh, so that's why it's a principle, um, and it's a principle of creation. So it, it's it's really a more elegant theory that's actually um, of things that are around, you know, because it's actually one simple pattern expressed in many different ways.
0: Well, you know, I I'm often reminded of Emerson's quote uh, that where he said that uh, he said something like parts of speech are metaphors because because all of nature is a metaphor of the human mind, and I I I think that that is true. I think the physical world and the cosmos is a metaphor of the human mind. And is that is that is that what you're saying? Are you saying that, the, the, for example, that the that what happens with the black hole is really repeating something that's happening uh, in consciousness and the rest of the physical and the physical world?
1: the underlying nature of all of this is consciousness right. um, and the infinity at the center of every single black hole whether it be at the center of a galaxy or in your own atoms is the same infinity yeah. and it's expressing itself at different levels this is why non-locality is possible because mm. ultimately we are all connected and what I believe is really the meta process is consciousness expressing itself Yes. Um, through all of these myriads of black holes, of, of outlets. And, uh, for example, everybody keeps talking about climate change. If we just bring it to our planet, for for example. And uh, we, we know that there are planetary uh, processes that are going on. Uh, volcano, volcanic activity has actually increased in the last uh, 100 years or so, very much so. And uh, we can see that this is going on. Now, what I feel is that this is an underlying change in the underlying consciousness of the planet itself, which then gets expressed in volcanic activity in the changing weather. Um, You have to go down to the actual consciousness itself, and that itself is going through peaks and troughs. Yeah. Um, some people call this the great year, the 26,000-year cycle. You know, consciousness itself is changing and uh, and evolving and expanding and contracting, and as it does that, we'll see the weather changing, we'll see volcanic activity changing. Um, but th- th- consciousness is the heart of, uh, of all of this expression, and it's all connected. So if you have a volcano uh, going off on uh on planet earth you'll see um a solar flare happening at the same time uh on the sun and so uh, from our perspective we think that these things are causal when we see these correlations uh actually because everything is like a network of consciousnesses breathing in and out that's totally and utterly connected uh to everything across the universe actually it's not just our local um forces that are having effect um it's not quite causal it, it's like everything is connected to each other so we are going to see these correlations and sometimes these correlations will be more than others um so you know maybe a, a large solar flare uh, one day will it be you know associated with, with a little volcanic activity you know one day on the earth and then a lot the next because everything is sort of connected in, in a unique way because maybe that that activity uh, was related to an eruption on uh, Jupiter's moon yeah. you know so it, it it's kind of like everything is connected and, and you know so a black hole all of these eruptions and they're all black hole activity created black hole dynamo activity happening at different levels and in my work i'm, I'm providing the evidence for that um, so you know when it comes to uh volcanoes for example um we see lightning coming out of blo- volcanoes we see the electron discharge the same sort of electron discharge that happens in uh black holes out in the space we see it coming out of volcanoes in the form of lightning
0: Yeah.
1: Um so uh, and I'll go on to water yeah. uh, in a second should, should i yeah so, well
0: well this well l- let me just let me just hit the pause button here for a second because I think this is this is something very important that I like to highlight here that I think is one of the hurdles we need to that we're gonna need to get over to to really understand this, and that is. It's sort of like the the portrait or the poem reflects the artist. And as the as the artist grows up, matures, the artist can paint a more complicated portrait, a more intricate with, with more intricate detail, just like in poetry. Just like a young Shakespeare could write a simple sonnet, a elder, a older Shakespeare could write Romeo and Juliet. And what we, what we tend to forget is that, and this is my view here, is that the, the outer world, to me, reflects the inner world. And as, as our inner consciousness, which I also think is God, because of the, the depth and the, and the complexity of that consciousness, we are seeing an unbelievable variety, complexity in the physical world. And this is just something that we are, to me, we're we're growing to understand. And your your uh, comment or your uh, description of the black hole principle is is similar to that because it's saying, hey, the cosmos is also a living, breathing part of, of consciousness. It, does that make sense to you? This, yeah, this, yes.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. It, the consciousness itself is evolving.
0: Right 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 and it, it's it's really a a beautiful picture and it's something that you know we could easily simplify it and think that oh there's you know you're gonna get knocked in the head it's all gonna it's and it's and it's all gonna come to you well it's something where we are realizing that that the intricacies of our world the 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 particles the forces of energy the um the interplay of of uh, stars and galaxies and dark energy and dark all this kind of stuff is is a reflection of the complexity of the human mind and, and then of course when we get to life then things really get interesting this is this is philip Camella. this is conversations beyond science and religion i'm very happy to be speaking with dr Manjir samantha lawton the author of punk science the genius groove and also formerly just recently a host of a tv show uh for people's choice radio for people's choice in london and uh you're just uh, about to talk a little bit about your recent work with water and the black hole principle and so let's let's get into that a little bit and why don't you talk about what this what this means and where where it leads us
1: yeah sure this is um this really when i came to talk about water which i first presented at the uh, Noetic Science Conference last year, I think this is where it really brings it home to people because everyone can relate to water um, because, of of course, it constitutes us and it's so essential to our lives. Um, This really sort of solidified things for people. And um, so with the black hole principle, as I wrote in uh, the 2006 book, uh, Punk Science... Um, One of the expressions that I was saying um, that the black hole principle has when it comes to our own planet is in the Earth's upper atmosphere. And um, so we have the signature of the black hole principle, you have um, the creation from the infinity, the spiral geometry. You have the uh, electrons uh, moving at very, very fast speeds. You have antimatter, such as the form of positrons, which are the mirror image of an electron. And you have uh, periodic gamma ray bursts. And these these are periodic bursts that happen. And uh, so these are the sort of signatures that we're going to be looking for when we look for black hole principal activity. Um, Now, all of those things are found in something called terrestrial gamma ray flashes. That were detected by satellites orbiting the planet. And um, when people started to realize that uh, this is not the last like 20, 25 years, really, um, that uh, there's these gamma ray bursts that are just as powerful as some of the sort of gamma ray bursts we see out in space, but they're in the Earth's upper atmosphere and they're associated with thunderstorms. Um, and the other thing, of course, that you get associated with thunderstorms is uh, lightning, um, as well as the sound as well, but uh, that does the whole of the show, that, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so you get the, the lightning. So. Um, if you ask a, and I have actually done this, ask a school kid, you know, um, wh- where does lightning come from? They'll tell you what their teacher just said, which is, I say, lightning is the buildup of friction and static electricity in clouds, which then gets discharged. And this is what we're told in textbooks. However, the evidence does not add up for this. People have done the measurements and... Um, the type of power and energy that's in lightning um, just doesn't build up in in the amount of static electricity that that can build up in clouds. And people have used sort of weather kites and these sort of measurements, it it just doesn't build up that sort of energy. Um, So what I realized was the terrestrial gamma ray flashes, which was so puzzling, um, the astrophysicists and and the weather people, was uh, basically another expression of black hole activity and this is what i published in punk science but what i didn't go into in detail was this another element to um to a thunderstorm and that of course is water Um, because we know that often when there's a thunderstorm not all the time but often you get rain Um, so i thought the only way that this theory really really hangs together is if water is produced by black holes and uh i thought at this point without all the evidence this will be completely laughed at and uh but i continue to work on it um and uh interestingly there are some indigenous cultures which talk about interdimensional water the water doesn't exist just in this dimension but there are different aspects of water and if you actually go to a lot of the creation myths Um, what you might blink and you miss it sort of miss is that um, often the creation myths talk about the, the waters of creation which is quite an interesting sort of thing that you know is often mentioned but you might not have really noticed it before so I knew that there was this concept of sort of interdimensional water that and I started to think is water somehow in in existence in other dimensions and what we see in thunderstorms is actually the bringing through via the black hole principle of water from other dimensions into this dimension and we see this as rain and i thought i know if i publish this people will just think it's ridiculous Mm. um so i just kind of left it for the book you know but the fact is that you know it kind of all makes sense if we're talking about the same process and it was only when my um, my partner actually found it um, a reference in 2011 to the biggest pool of water that's ever been found in space that I realized that um, what they were finding out in space and, in, in, you know, we're talking about light years away and all over the solar system and everywhere um, is that water has been emitted from black holes hmm. um, in jets. In very very concentrated jets and uh, sometimes mixed with microwaves they're called mazes um, when this happens and suddenly it all fitted together it's like this is the missing part you know um, the water that is oh by the way as well uh, NASA actually did a probe in 2010 to investigate terrestrial gamma ray flashes and just as I predicted they found the antimatter coming out of thunderstorms which is exactly what you predicted the black hole principle is true so this theory has been proved to be you know very predictive in a number of things so um but with the water side um you know again if if the same behavior in thunderstorms is happening in black holes all over the you know in every single level you would expect to find water at every single level because we have rain Coming out of thunderstorms, and that's exactly what has been found. So, um, when I started to look into it um, after that, and I, I, you know, I discovered they're finding water absolutely everywhere. They, I mean, before, when I was a child, I was taught water is only found on the Earth, and if you find water anywhere else, there must be there must be life there. You know, we, yes. we, we're we going to find life there right. because water equals life. That's what I was told. Right. Um, and so I was told that water was only found on Earth. And uh, extraordinarily, we're finding water at every single level on, on Saturn's moons, on comets, uh, coming out as jets, mind you. It's actually as concentrated jets. So it's not just random. And a huge sort of Um, Sort of pools of water vapor out in space, massive pools of water vapor, and it's coming out of black holes. It's even coming out of sunspots on the sun. Water is coming out of sun. So, I mean, um, as I said in uh, punk science, my uh, theory says that the sunspots are actually the black hole activity on the on the on the sun, which is obviously a star. Um you know, the list goes on and on. You actually find water coming out of the sun. What an extraordinary place to find it. Um and then it also comes to uh looking at our own planet because uh when you actually look at it, um we don't know what, why it is that we have a planet covered with water. Where did it come from? you know, and there's been a lot of theories you know was it seeded by an asteroid? you know where did the oceans of the earth come from? you know how come it hasn't evaporated you know a lot a lot of different different theories now, according what I presented at in the Institute of noetic sciences uh just July two thousand and thirteen was that um the water of our own planet is coming from the black hole dynamo of the Earth. So the center of the Earth is also a black hole dynamo. It produces matter, antimatter, which we found now. They're called geoneutrinos. Um, so my prediction that you'll find antimatter coming from the Earth is actually you know, getting stronger and stronger. We've actually found the evidence of that. My prediction was the water is coming from the center of the Earth itself. Now I wasn't prepared to be uh to be proved right so soon. Yeah. And uh just uh, like 2 months ago the scientific papers came out that actually they've found rocks that are nearer to the uh, center of the planet that actually are holding water. And the scientific community have changed, you know, from saying we don't know where the water comes from to the idea we definitely know water comes from the center of the planet. So within a year, um, the public prediction that I made—that uh, water comes from the center of the Earth, our oceans come from the center of the Earth—has had this major evidence towards it, and these major scientific, um, you know, publications to say, "Yes, we we we've changed our mind. It doesn't come from asteroids. Our oceans come from the center of the Earth."
0: What what led you to to um to the theory that the water came from the center of the Earth or from the
1: well, just purely, I mean, <laughs> I was, excuse me, I was actually uh, walking along reading uh, a book by David Ash. And uh, he was, uh, in, in, if you haven't come across David Ash, I highly recommend his books. And uh, it was so, so fascinating to me. And uh, I was walking in this, the beginnings of the thunderstorm and uh, I just looked up and, and I just thought, Uh, suddenly it started to rain and I didn't care because I was just in the middle of my thoughts. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of like, I was going, well, if that truly is a black hole, then there's got to be something about water that is essential to the black hole principle. And um, if I am right, then water must be produced by black holes, not just by terrestrial gamma ray flashes, but by black holes at every single level of the universe. And um, as I said, you know, even though this insight came to me before 2006, I knew that without the evidence, it would just completely discredit me. Um, so I didn't go into it much detail, but I do say, obviously, that terrestrial gamma ray flashes are the same mechanism as uh, as black holes at every single level. Um, so the water element. Um, has now been found at every single level. You know, just, just, it's just amazing. And in fact, just if anybody is to pick up this week's new, uh, new Scientist, 11th of October, there is a, an article on uh, right on the front cover there, The Surprising Source of Lunar Water. So everybody is now speculating as to where the water on the, our own moon uh, comes from so there's there's a heck of a lot out there so um once you get it because this principle once you get it it's it's so easy you can start to predict well you know if if this is true then water's got to come from stars which it has been discovered old stars new stars the sun Water is being produced by stars um, water is going to be found on planets, which you know obviously we know from uh, from our own earth yeah. you know and it's it 's not just uh, the surface of the planet it 's got to be found within these bodies themselves, and that 's what we 're seeing on the moon definitely it 's not just the surface of the moon it 's the interior of the moon. why because every single body we 're seeing around us is actually at the source is the uh, the creation principle that I just described. And as that creation goes from the infinite light, the infinite consciousness comes all the way down through the different realities to the below the speed of light reality, which is the one that we're aware of, the one that we inhabit mostly. You know, then you're actually seeing the uh, what we call the solid world being created. And part of that is the water coming in from other dimensions into our dimension. So the source of water is actually another dimension.
0: Well, um, I it think, comes
1: you know, through the Black hole principle.
0: Yeah I think it's it's really in a, I think water is something that we obviously we take it so for granted. I mean if you study if you study water, it's it's probably the most unique substance that we know of. among other things,' uh, it's, it's found as a gas, a liquid and a solid at natural earth temperatures. Another thing is it's a solid form is heavier than the liquid form which is unlike virtually any other substance and of course we're, we're taught and it's probably true that it is essential to life but we're also led to believe I think Manjir that you know science has explained where water came from and, and I think that that is one of the sort of misconceptions that we have when we're raised within this current paradigm as if it's perfectly natural for the molecules for hydrogen and and oxygen to just sort of combine on their own and form oceans of water. It it's it's not it's a story, it's a story that we've been raised to believe in. And I think that what is what is so good about the way you think is that you think from uh, things from a completely different perspective. And this could only be healthy because it can only uh open ourselves up to uh, to greater possibilities. And also uh, take advantage of, of the of a much richer and more grandeur uh, view of the world. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Dr. Manjur Samantha Lawton, the author of Punk Science and the soon-to-be-released movie of the same title. And Manjura I I like you to um, talk of. Oh, you know this this whole concept of, of water. Are you familiar with the work of uh, Mansura Emoto?
1: Yes, yes, I uh, I do know of his work. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So 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 does that uh, relate to anything that you're doing with water, or is he coming from a, from a different perspective?
1: You know, um, I did have the privilege as uh, part of the TV show that um, we did uh, uh, mention because a lot of people have criticised his his scientific methods and uh, credentials yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, if anybody wants to see the show by the way it is available on YouTube for free um, it's called Hidden Science and we did a special on the the uh, science of water and for that we interviewed uh, Gerald Pollock who has discovered a, a false state of, of water called, he calls easy water EZ water and um, we also had uh, Dr. May Wan Ho who is a scientist who actually went to um, Masuromoto's lab. And uh, what she saw was, uh, you know, she, she was very impressed by. So although I haven't discussed dis- studied his methods um, and his work in detail myself, um, you know, I, I do, uh, you know, she is definitely an expert who, has uh studied the whole science of water for a long time so if she went ahead and had had a look at his lab and uh, was was very impressed and uh, you know it, it's uh, it it does bring into the whole equation though that um there's a link between consciousness and water yeah. with his work um so uh I, I think he's opened up a whole arena um I think uh, the work of Gerald Pollack, though, um, I mean, if you haven't read his books, absolutely recommend them. He's another person that, yeah, you know, as part of this um, process, that you, you were just talking about that. I see things a different way. I've had to leave behind my cherished ideas as well. Yeah. I mean, one of my cherished ideas was I used to be a, um environmental person. You know, I, I believed in climate change and global warming and all of this and through looking at the logic of this theory I've had to shatter my beliefs which were quite cherished I realised that weather is a result of these processes Um, I was taught like all other kids that there's a water cycle that you have clouds that are you know that go over the water and they go onto a mountain and they get heavy and they drop rain and then the whole thing starts all over again right. now i what i didn't realize it, is a meteorologist don't know why some clouds um actually rain and some don't yeah. it's a mystery yeah and um so i've had to look deeper and see that actually the things that were taught in school are not as straightforward as you might think. And um, now I'm starting to wonder, and we'd have to do some more work on this, but whether or not clouds are basically miniature black holes that are bringing through water at different levels in the atmosphere. And, you know, this would really go with the work of Gerald Pollack as well, and I mean, communication with him um, as as to, uh, you know, how this fits in with easy water... And um, so he's looking into my work. Um, I've, I've been contacted by meteorologists as well um, who are interested in what I'm saying now, you know, because it could fill in some of the gaps for them. Um, so I've had
0: to shatter my own beliefs about a number of things. Well, I think that, you know, I want to emphasize something that you said about lightning is another example. It it, it It's a really good example, Manjur, where everyone, you know, we're raised to think that lightning is caused, as you said earlier, about the collision electrostatic force or something or other between clouds. Well that is a very simplistic explanation that is really not established. And it's, it, there are so many mysteries out there that we take at face value. And what happens, I think, when you start questioning these sort of orthodox Beliefs is that the world turns out to be a much richer, much more uh, exciting place than we were led to believe, and I think that this is really what you do so well in your book, Punk Science. Is sort of a a point of departure, you know, steer off in a different direction. Of course, that's what I try to do in my own book as well, The Collapse of Materialism. That that looking at things through the same set of eyes, the eyes that we were brought up with may not be the best thing. Now now I want to for for those who are not familiar with the work of Manshura Emoto, he's written a couple books about the uh, odd properties of water. I think one of his books is called The Hidden Messages in Water but essentially what he says is that water reflects the state of consciousness of those perceiving it or those who have intentions about it so so very very simply put if you have good eye if you have good thoughts, if you pray you have good intentions then water forms into picturesque crystals but if you have disruptive mean angry thoughts then you see disarray and you could see as Manjur said that the scientific basis of this sounds a little weird but on the other hand he does have a lot of evidence his books are filled with photographs and and for those of us in this field that believe that not only is there a correlation between consciousness and the physical world but one but one may be a reflection of the other Emoto's, Dr. Emoto's, and Mr. Imoto's findings make make a lot of sense. So that's so it's one thing that I just wanted to sort of uh, talk about for the listener there, that we are it's really the same thing. We're trying to look at things in a different perspective and see what evidence there is in the physical world for these new ideas. So so I, I so right now Monsieur, what, where, what are you working on next, or where do you see things going in your world?
1: Gosh, well, um, as uh, as I said, you know, just to uh, you know, help help people find it on the internet. Just if people want to have a look at the shows that we did, um, unfortunately, that TV station uh, is now no longer in in place, but the shows are on YouTube. Please look at Hidden Science; it's all on YouTube for free and um you know it's just it's there for um education as well we did one on water consciousness um you know electromagnetic magnetic fields um, uh, lucid dreaming uh, a whole series uh that we put together there's one coming up um is going to be on near-death experiences so please look at that um, the next step for me, uh, which I'm just near to completing, is a complete complete relaunch of my website. Now that will include a uh, free video course uh, that people can sign up for, and I'm also uh, made the Genius Groove. Into an online course and um, a n- brand new concept called Simply Divine, a simple guide to the science of spirituality. Mm. Now, this is for a new type of audience, someone who may be um, into sort of tarot or, you know, that sort of aspect. And how do we link these sort of concepts of quantum physics? How do we, you know, looking at it, maybe old concepts like quint. Kundalini awakening and linking them with the black hole principle. You know, how does this help us to understand our emotions? Um, how we can tap into our own genius group? You know, so it's it, these two courses are very much about okay you understand the stuff out the cosmos how does it relate to you how does it help you on a daily basis so those are coming very very soon i'm pleased to say that i'm in the final stages of, of putting um putting this uh the new website together the new courses it's taken me uh you know if because i've had to film them and edit them all myself and like you know get yeah. them uh, all put together um so they're looking absolutely amazing and uh, so that's going to be soon and then the next stage for me is is uh, i'm going to after i brought the new courses out is i'm going to be um moving on to the punk science movie and masterclass but if somebody if anybody listening wants to um see our journey with the movie and masterclass uh just go to punksciencemovie.com and sign up and you'll get the updates to your email um, to uh, about the behind the scenes of journey that we took around the world to New Zealand, uh, California, you know, all all over the place to actually interview uh, these you know world luminaries in the science of consciousness. So, if you want to see the behind the scenes, you can sign up now, and you're gonna get the uh, you're gonna get get the little videos. So it's called the Punk Science Movie Global Stomp. <laughs> so- yeah, yeah, I looked at
0: it myself. It's it's you know it's pretty cool, and and I think that I would encourage anybody. Uh, to who, who wants to be on the cutting edge to look up things that Manjira is doing. I mean, there's a, there's a quote from your, your book, Punk Science, that I wrote down here that I think really, really says it all. It says, uh, this is how Punk Science was born, from a recognition that science needs to find a radical voice again. It has become lost in the quagmire of funding and bureaucracy and lost its spirit of adventure. And I think that that really says it all, Monsieur. That that um, it, this should be an adventure. It, it, I think science, in many ways, has has lost its ways and is and is more more attuned, more interested in per, in protecting its turf, than in seeking out and exploring new ideas. And hopefully, people like you and others. Uh, are breaking new ground and sometimes let me be clear sometimes our I'm using the the royal our our ideas may not prove to be true but if we don't give them a chance if we don't open our mind to new ideas we're never going to find a better way to look at things and so uh, I really encourage folks to look up uh, what my is doing she's one of the leaders in this field and um, Uh, and uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you our shows tend to go extremely fast because we have so much to talk about but it's but it's always refreshing to speak with um to speak to somebody who's also who's not only like-minded but also is is a um a fountain of new of new ideas and exciting concepts so mandir if there's something else you'd like to add for the listener um that would be fantastic but again i wish you the best of luck in your in your current and future endeavors
1: Oh, thank you. It's been a um, a pleasure and honor to uh, to speak with you again today, and and uh, you know such a like mind, and and I honor the stuff that you're doing out in the world as well. That you're uh, you're getting this message out there with your book and and the show and everything. It's
0: absolutely amazing. Again, this is this is sort of the way things are working. And in fact, you know, just on a on a side note, I I think, Madge, I think what we could really use, and again, this is the royal we. I think we could use. I think we could use our own textbook, and I think that that's something that uh, maybe a few of us need to start putting together because you know the textbooks sort of govern what the young kids are taught. You know, when you put something in a hardcover book with um, a lot of pages and photographs, that that's considered to be the current orthodoxy. And I just hope it's some the ideas that you're talking about, the ideas that I'm talking about, and many others in this field, such as. Uh, Dr. Goswami and Bruce Lipton, and uh, Rupert Sheldrake, and many others that we find uh, in a 20 or 30 years that these ideas will be part of the new mainstream. This is Philip Camella. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We'll see you next week with Diane Collins. Take care. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, hosted by Philip Camilla. To find out more about Philip and his book, The Collapse of Materialism, visit thecollapseofmaterialism.com.